welcome to Is This Anime. I am your quote-unquote anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And joining us uh, today for this very special episode is Jackson Barwise. Jackson, how are you, buddy? Doing well, Jack. Thanks for having me. How are you? Fantastic. Um, just as fantastic as this fantastic movie uh, nice. we are discussing. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Jackson, you're new to the podcast. So as we, as we like to start with any new guest, uh, just tell us a little bit about your anime experience prior to watching this movie. All right. So I want to watch some more anime, definitely. Um, but a throwback, my favorite anime was when I was a kid watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, but I remember he, you, I saw your post about this movie and it sounded really interesting. So I wanted to check it out and, uh, it was really awesome what I saw a lot of new stuff and just really cool. So, 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 okay. So you weren't even familiar with, uh, the director's other major hit, your name then. So this was your first time with him, eh? I'm, I'm an anime newbie. <laughs> yes. I'm new. You, have you, have you watched any Ghibli's? I mean, everyone's watched a Ghibli or two. Maybe one. Maybe one. You can't even name it. No, I'm I'm very new to this. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, we threw you in the deep end with this one. I mean, not yes. too deep. We've we no. I've been meaner to other guests uh, <laughs> when, when giving them certain shows. Um, but yeah, you're new to the world of Makoto Shinkai. So just a little yes. bit of backstory, especially for uh, newer listeners who are who are coming here just for Jackson, because uh, again, gain us those those uh, listens. We we love it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Makoto Shinkai. He has been uh, hailed as the next Miyazaki. I disagree heavily with that statement because it's kind of just a statement uh, made by people who can't even distinguish between two very different directors. Um, But Miyazaki, of course, uh, the head of Studio Ghibli, one of the greatest animators in our lifetime. And Makoto Shinkai, who has definitely made some fantastic films, most notably Your Name, which is what we've covered on the podcast before. Your name, just to give you a little bit of backstory, uh, Jackson, is kind of like a Freaky Friday style movie. Gotcha. Okay. So it's about a boy and a girl. Uh, the girl lives in a small town. The boy lives in a big city, and they find themselves body swapping. And there's a an additional twist later on in the film that makes it even more fun. But uh, very cute film. I think I still prefer it over Suzume, but that's only because your name is just that good, in my opinion. Mm, gotcha. I see. Uh, but uh, Shinkai is definitely a romantic. I would say that's the biggest difference between uh, him and Miyazaki. And then you know, there's probably uh, more subtle differences. But certainly the fact that a lot of Makoto Shinkai films have been romances. And we're going to get into the backstory of Suzume. Uh, this film nearly wasn't a romance. Uh, actually, he wanted to make this film about the relationship between two girls. But then his people, uh, his people at the studio basically were like, no, you got to make it a love story, man. People want a love story from you. Interesting. Okay. Yep. And he knows how to deliver on them. He definitely knows how to deliver yes. on these. Yes. Yes. Because definitely. holy shit, by the end of this movie, man, by the end, I'm not saying like I was like uh, crying buckets, but those last 20 minutes. Oh my god. Yeah, it hit the feels. Yeah. It hits the feels, man. He knows how to do it. Um, definitely. This, this film was made uh, during COVID. Um, it's also, I mean, we'll get into the plot, but it's also very much commenting on the 2011. Toho earthquake and tsunami, which is the backdrop for this film. But uh, even during COVID, uh, COVID inspired a bit of the plot because he said uh, the idea for a chair partner came when Shinkai saw a wooden chair sitting at a deserted bus stop and found its foreign feeling to be better than any of his previous ideas. Uh, some of his ideas included 
the partner character turning into a monster throughout the story or uh, another inorganic partner like a milk carton. Now, the chair was definitely the way to go, I think. It was very obscure, but also it's, it worked strangely well, which was very funny. Yeah, it's, it's inorganic enough, but it's better than a milk carton for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because what was also, it? Yeah. It also could move around as well, especially because it only had the three legs, so it allowed its sort of wobbly ability to walk make more sense, too. Yeah, exactly. This film gave me kind of Pixar vibes because I know Pixar in particular has been almost kind of guilty of, you know, what if blank had feelings? Uh, and this movie, you know, it's not like uh, Sota is a chair uh, to begin with. But again, you know, they just have a lot of fun with the chair concept. They're like, shit, how, do you, how can you make a movie around a character that's a chair? And yet they pull it off with a plum. Oh, yeah. No, and there's so many scenes and ideas and what he does as the chair that just make so much sense and feel natural. And it's just like, well, yeah, what would a living chair actually be doing when you're interacting with, like, children or or you're trying to stay still or to, or to help something, uh, an, an event from not, like, a dangerous event from not occurring or trying to save the world? Like, it's it's very, very interesting. Yes. How, how would a chair... Uh run on a uh, giant smoky cloud worm creature yeah and and the chair is able able to uh obviously for a, a different reason but yeah no it's it's very very fresh for sure um so yeah he also said sota turning into a chair was in reference to shinkai feeling trapped during the covid19 uh uh pandemic basically so that that's where shinkai got it i mean good for him he definitely that makes uh, sense yeah I mean, we all felt trapped during that. Uh, and, you know, he managed to make a great work of art from that. 100%. Um, what was it? He also said, um, yeah, the 2011 earthquake served as an influence for the themes in the film, uh, while the comment in Your Name and the concept of weathering with you were influenced by ideas of natural disaster. Shinkai felt he should express the impact he felt through the earthquake and tsunami instead of continuing to depict it as a metaphor. He feared that people's memories of the disaster... Uh, started to become hazy over time. And by depicting the earthquake and tsunami in his film, he could also share his memories with teens who were unaware of the disaster. No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, it. actually. Yeah, no. No, natural disasters are horrific, and they, they keep coming back again and again. And the film did an excellent job at really emphasizing just the... Of course, it, it was the it was the fictional uh, type of disaster, but really just it did an excellent job emphasizing just how scary and dangerous it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what was it? Yeah, the, the earthquake also, just for the record, it did kill like tw- 25,000, or no, 20, 22,000 people. So again, it was pretty fucking brutal. Yeah, that's severe. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, and it's something Japan's, you know, going to be still uh, living with for, for ages to come, for sure. But again, uh, Shinkai felt that some people were already moving passed it too quickly so that's kind of what influenced why he wanted to make this film and why that served as the backdrop anyways let's get into the movie it opens with a girl named suzumi in a field she's crying out for a mother she sees a figure and she then wakes up from what seems to be a dream she gets up and rides her bike she sees a long-haired man on her way there who asks her where he can find the ruins and she ends up going to the ruins as well and she sees a door in the middle of a shallow pool I mean, and I mean, this visual was absolutely stunning. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The light, the lighting, and like the reflections in the water just look spectacular. 
uh, it was awesome. Just like the visual beauty of the daytime, especially, and the and just the way the sky was blue and how the light reflected on everything was awesome. Especially yeah. when they went into some of those three D animated parts where it was three D, but it still had the art style, it was very cool as well. Yeah, that's the thing about this film. It, it's it's not completely two D drawn. They definitely use a lot of CGI to assist in it, but it blends really uh, well together. Totally. Uh, so she ends up uh, entering this door, which is in the middle of a shallow pool, and she picks up an ancient looking statue, which then turns into a living creature and runs away. And she freaks out and also bails. And then at school, she sees dark red smoke coming from the ruins and she freaks the hell out. She returns and sees that same man trying to hold back the smoke, which is coming from the door. And it's, again, the smoke creature who we later refer to as the worm is just this intense blood red smoke solidified. I mean, I don't know how else you would describe it. Oh, yeah, no, it's quite horrific looking for sure uh definitely <laughs> yeah it was very massive and grand and when the other the worm grew more worms going around oh man uh so in an effort to contain it the man says a spell which then enables him to lock the door and uh he says this door is a keystone uh which which i think i my notes might even have been wrong at the time but uh the keystone is something that constantly changes throughout this film um suzumi she offers to bandage the man's arm at her place and he sees a funny looking chair and we learned the worm is a tremendous force that must be sealed with the keystone. And the man's name is Sota. The cat shows up on the windowsill and tells Suzumi it likes her a lot. And it also says Sota is in the way and the cat turns him into the chair. There we go. I remember when you text me, you're just like, shit, there's a cat that just transformed the man into yeah, the chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this just got interesting. What? what? <laughs> and that's all I knew about the film. I didn't even watch trailers for this. I just knew it as the film about the girl who falls, who falls in love with a chair. Yes. That's literally all I knew about it. And then that turned this guy into a chair. <laughs> and to be fair, uh, I was like, and I've even talked to people who told me how much uh, film made them cry. I'm like, how the fuck is this the movie that's doing that for you? Uh, little did I know what this movie would be pulling off. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we learned from Sota that the cat is the keystone. And when Suzumi picked up the cat, that's what caused everything to go haywire. And Sota says he's what you call a closer. So he goes around Japan closing these doors. Um, and then, oh yeah, there, there's a great sequence where uh, Sota and Suzumi, they're, they're chasing the cat and then they end up on the ferry, which is kind of uh, what sparks this road trip journey. Suzumi and Sota, they meet a girl named Chika when they, and it's, they meet Chika when they like rescue her oranges. Chika, she's like driving like a motorcycle. She's got to transport yep. these oranges. <laughs> That was cool. The chair just grabbed the net to stop all the oranges from keep going and rolling around the road and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chica's adorable, too. I, I liked her a lot. Uh, and she returns the favor by letting them hitch a ride uh, to the next door where the worm appears, which this time it's out of school, and they're able to successfully seal it. Suzumi, she eventually has to leave Chica behind, but Chica gives her a nice outfit. She gives her this like nice little jean jacket. I thought that was really nice. Suzumi, she then hitches a ride with a mother named Rumi and her two children. Rumi's two children are like playing with Sota the chair, which is pretty funny. <laughs> that was funny. Yep, yep. And Rumi also works as a hostess. So she's she's doing some nightlife. I guess she's a single mom. You know, she's working to pay the bills. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's singing karaoke with these dirty old men. That is true. That is true. I just found it interesting when they're all having the McDonald's in the car. Um <laughs> And because uh, it's not what I expected. And also, of course, how they were incorporating the chair into it. The kids were 
like spilling their sodas and fries and whatnot on the chair and he would wobble and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Again, they, they do so much with the chair concept that uh, I don't think anyone else could have figured out. <laughs> no, they, they caught some little bit of lightning in a bottle with that idea and they, they made it their own for sure. Very yeah. cool stuff. So they go through this other door, um, which, so yeah, they're the, there's another door that needs to be sealed. So Suzumi has to bail on her duties because she's kind of like helping out uh, at the uh, little hostess club for Rumi. And the other thing, too, is like the other characters can't actually see any of these disasters. Only um, Suzumi exactly. and Sota can. Yeah. Which, which leads to situations because they just have no idea why Suzumi is freaking out so much. Exactly. Yep. Um, so yeah, they seal this door, but in this case, Suzumi actually goes through the door, which we learn is this kind of realm between life and death called the Ever After. What do you think of the Ever After? Interesting. You know, it was very well done, and it, of course, is uh, reminding of, uh, sort of foreshadows what's to come and what we saw at first. And that was just, a, that was a really uh, excellently well done sequence, actually. We learned from Sota that basically there's two different keystones. There's the Western Keystone, which they know is Daijin, who is the cat. And then there's the Eastern Keystone, which we don't figure out until a bit later. Yeah. And uh, we're told that if the worm tries to emerge from Tokyo, it could cause an earthquake of the same magnitude as the uh, 1923 Great Kanto earthquake. Incredibly devastating event. Yeah, uh, it's, quite it's an devastating. Earthquake. Yeah, that's uh, an event covered in the film The Wind Rises uh, from Hayao Miyazaki, which until recently was his uh, last film until uh, The Boy and the Heron just came out. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, Miyazaki, uh, who which, who has just awakened from his eight-year retirement. <laughs> or I think it might have been 10 years at this point. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the 1923 Kanto earthquake is another event that's been referenced in a lot of material that we've actually covered on the podcast. Oh, there's a great visual where Suzumi sits on Sota, Sota the chair. <laughs> oh, right, right. Is this referring to the when they're playing with the children? Yeah, when they're playing with the yeah. children, also when she's just like hanging out with at the hostess club and she just sits on him. Oh, right. Because there's another part as well where she stands on the chair. Yeah, <laughs> when she's like there. looking for books, too. Yeah. That was that was funny, too. Um, Sota, at one point, he reveals he's in grad school and he wants to become a teacher. And uh, Suzumi gets mad at him. She's like, why the, why the fuck are you just going to be a teacher? Aren't you supposed to be a closer for the rest of your life? But, you know, he, he points out that uh, being a closer doesn't put food on the table. No, it doesn't. It's always the heroic jobs that don't seem to. No, Stories. exactly. That's how it be. Um, so in, in the chair realm, Sota finds himself frozen, but Suzumi is able to awaken him. And the chair realm is like basically the ever after. So it's slowly consuming uh, Sota effectively. Um, one of Sota's friends meets up with uh, Suzume and he complains about him missing his exams. And then we get <laughs> yep, another. Yep. I oh wait no, uh, you were saying something. I was just uh, laughing and agreeing and whatnot. Yeah, no, I found friend, that. I yeah. found his. I found his friend pretty funny. I liked him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> his, Again, uh, his, ve his vehicle is quite funny too. <laughs> yeah, his vehicle that uh, just. Uh, it's a nice-looking car, but man, fuck, he's he's done some damage to it already, I guess. This is jumping a little bit ahead, but it's sort of a small detail. He kept his hazard lights on when they were driving. Oh, I didn't notice that. Again, yeah, as a non-driver, that's not something I pay attention to, but that's fine. It was so interesting to see this. Like, oh, he forgot to turn it. Or maybe, it, maybe he tried to and it just broken. But when he pulled over, yeah, it was funny. What is it? We get another worm confrontation, but this one escalates even harder. And they confront Daijin, who says that Sota is now the keystone. 
and uh, Sota freezes and Suzumi uses Sota as like a drill to pierce the worm and seal the door. And we get this flashback of Suzumi's mother making the chair and it is a chair just for Suzumi. And when Suzumi wakes up, uh, she's at a shrine housing the Tokyo Gate where she sees Sota in the ever after but is unable to enter the door. And then Daijin appears and Suzumi gets angry at Daijin and tells him not to come back. And it's here she visits Sota's grandfather at the hospital, hoping to figure out how to rescue Sota. And he explains that Suzumi's ability to see the worm in the ever after through the door means at some point in her life, she entered the realm through one of the doors, which we later learn in the film is uh, basically what happened when her, her mother was killed during the 2011 uh, earthquake. And again, it ties into uh, the, the big moment at the very end of the film. So we've learned that, yeah, Suzumi has been to the ever after at some point. Uh, moreover, the door that she first used is the only place where she can re-enter the Ever After in order to save Sota. So she decides to locate this specific door in her hometown, which was destroyed in the earthquake. On her way there, Suzumi runs into Sota's friend, Sarazawa, who wants to help her to find Sota, along with Suzumi's aunt, Tamaki. And that's the other thing we should know, yeah. Uh, Suzumi, ever since her mother died, has been raised by her aunt, who is kind of she's older than Suzumi, but still quite a bit younger than her mother, it seems. Yeah, sort of that uh, in the middle spot. Yeah, because she had to yeah. know the plot emphasized that she had to take on raising her as the role of her mother uh, quite young. Yeah, exactly. And that's also re resulted in some uh, not jealousy. What's the word? Tension between the two because of what yeah. she had to sacrifice and what she couldn't do during her uh, her best years the other joke throughout the film is that she can never find a man um you know maybe maybe i'll ship her and sarazawa uh i i hope the best for them although i guess maybe sarazawa is a bit too young for her but it's hard to measure with anime characters too it's hard to tell the difference between a 40 year old anime character versus like a 20 year old if only we could age like that if only we can age exactly man <laughs> if only um so yeah, uh, Tamaki, she joins up with Sarazawa, who again, uh, we're in Sarazawa's cars. Uh, Sarazawa is also, um, have you ever watched I Think You Should Leave? I've heard of it. Oh, fuck. Oh, you, you're not missing on this joke I'm making, but um, there, there's one sketch involving, involving uh, yeah, he's the driving crooner. That's what he calls himself. He's, uh, he's, he's the Uber driver who's always uh, singing songs. While, okay. while you're being driven by him. Anyways, Sarazawa gave me vibes of that. He's a much better singer than the driving crooner, though. Um, okay, gotcha, cause, yeah. Because, again, he's always doing karaoke in his car while they're uh, driving. Yeah, yeah. It's cute. Yeah, some good character detail touches in the film, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, Sarazawa, when we, when we first meet Sarazawa, he's, uh, he doesn't seem like the nicest guy. Uh, because, again, he's just bitching about when his buddy is, is going to come back. Give him his um, money exactly but no yeah. um we learn he's like actually a pretty chill dude uh he's got again the, the car with the uh, broken sunroof that's such a good uh representation of him in a way too you just you don't fully you don't fully know someone until you take the time to get to know them type of thing exactly um but so yeah there, the there's a point in the, the film car. where um oh sorry what were you saying oh like like the roof on the car is like perfectly describes that in a way yeah yeah yeah, uh, at one point in the film, it's like raining and uh, they, they try to get the sunroof going, but he's just like, yo, this shit doesn't work. And then uh, the joke pays off later on when they get into a little car crash and the sunroof <laughs> does does work after he's already crashed the car. 
And then yeah, also was, uh, the, the door falls off. Car's ruined, but you got the sunroof working. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I hope he got uh, that stuff insured because, yeah, they kind of just ditch him too. Uh, Suzumi, she gets into an argument with her aunt who complains about how much she sacrificed to take care of Suzumi. And it turns out uh, her aunt was possessed by another spirit for, for the moment, which is kind of what yes. sparked this argument. Yes. That was a tense scene. Yeah, I mean, thankfully it ended well. This is not a movie where like characters are being killed off, thankfully. No, no. Um, so yeah, Tamaki, she's possessed by Sadajin, who's the Eastern Keystone, who then follows them for the rest of the trip. And uh, similarly to Daijin, uh, Sadajin is another cat-like creature, although he's much bigger. Uh, after the whole sunroof uh, deal, uh, Tamaki and Suzumi, they bike ride to their destination home, and then they reconcile, which is very sweet. Daijin leads Suzumi to the final door, and it turns out uh, Daijin wasn't so bad after all. That was the whole point of this thing. Daijin yeah. was just uh, trying to solve these problems in his own way. Um, maybe he could have explained things better, but he's a cat, I guess. Yeah, no, I, in, the, in the initial, in the beginning of the film, the first half type of thing, I was like, hey, what is this cat's goal? Is, is the cat a villain or a good or not? So, and that sort of, it sort of answered itself as the, the plot progressed. Yeah, I was certainly anti-Daijin for the first half, and then it almost threw me off when, when Daijin, uh, you know, sh showed his true colors, where yeah. you, you actually feel very bad for Daijin. The full um, circle, so, yeah. The full circle. So the Ever After, when they go into that final door, it resembles what happened during the 2011 earthquake. You're seeing all this destruction, and then uh, Suzumi, she picks up Sota's keystone form up, and her and uh, Daijin become crystallized. Meanwhile, uh, Saijin is also changing its form to distract the worm. And then realizing the consequences of his freedom, Daijin sacrifices himself to become the keystone. And along with Saijin, who likewise turns back into a keystone, they're used by Sota and Suzumi to lock the worm permanently in the ever after. And uh, that's where I got very, that's where my emotions started to, to, uh, to, uh, to swirl. We're getting to that flashback visiting on the hill part. Oh my god! But even yeah, even yeah. just Daijin like passing away, man. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a cat person, so I can't handle kitty death. Well, even if Daijin isn't really a cat, he's more of a spirit or a keystone. But certainly, you know, you're, you're still resembles a cat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very cute. Yeah. I want a Daijin plush. I hope. Uh, I'm sure most of the uh, merchandise was centered around uh, Sota's chair form, but. I don't know, maybe they're selling a Daijin or two. Just a very cute creature. And again, I felt I felt very sad when he uh, went back to his original form. Daijin dies in the process and reverts back to being a keystone. And uh, Sota gives this pretty incredible speech. I wrote it. Um, he says, life is a fleeting, fragile thing. We traverse it with death ever by our side. But we still fight with everything we have. We fight and we hope to live just one moment more. And that's what he's saying when he's just trying to seal yeah. uh, the keystone away, basically. That was fantastic. Yeah. Really captured yeah. The, the tension, the stakes. That was that was beautifully done. Yeah, I, I love that. And again, Sota gets to have his big hero moment as the closer. Absolutely. So yeah, Suzumi and uh, Sota, they end up in the same field at the beginning of the movie. Suzumi tells her younger self, because now we're, now we're piecing it together. And now we're like, oh, shit. This is what this has all been about. Uh, Suzumi is the one who, who met her younger self at the very beginning. And she tells her that sometimes things are really tough, 
but things won't always be the way. The night might seem endless now, but I promise the morning will come again. And Sota parts ways with Suzumi at the end, but promises to see her again. These last 20 minutes, bro, it, it hit me. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's the emotional minutes for sure. Definitely. I loved it. I, I was fighting back the tears. I wasn't like full on bawling, but like they, they were processing for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You take, yeah, you feel the choke up. <laughs> Makoto Shinkai definitely knows uh, how to, how to do a good romance. He never just ends it with the characters just uh, being together and that's it. He always likes to end it with the characters parting ways with the promise of them seeing each other again one day. Uh, Cause that's just how he rolls. And the credits consist of the happy moments Suzumi had on her journey. And then in the little post credits in the winter, Suzumi is biking and she sees Sota on the same spot she first met him and says, welcome back. Nice. Coming full circle to that first moment they met. Coming full circle. Uh, you know, you, you, you could criticize it for being predictable, but some people, uh, they just know how to play the hits and the hits hit hard. Hey, it works. It works. Because certainly me, uh, this was a movie where, again, it, it's not entirely unpredictable. I've seen enough of his films to know he's going to do it. But damn, it's it's effective as hell. Absolutely. There's always some sort of way of doing it. You don't fully predict. And it just, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a formula that's working very well, definitely. Yeah. Uh, let's get into our favorite segment. Uh, cue the music. Speed wagon, 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 Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert EO Speedwagon. So for those just joining in, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character. In this case, it could be fucking anyone because there's only like five characters of the movie. Uh, I'll go first just to give Jackson some time. My Speedwagon is Chica. I just thought Chica was adorable. I was hoping there'd be more Chica. Now knowing that Shinkai uh, was going to make the film uh, originally about two two female characters, I was like, shit, this could have been the Chica and Suzume movie. Um, So I am a bit disappointed in that, but... Yeah, Chica's a, a nice girl. I hope, you know, she, she did well on her uh, uh, trip delivering oranges. I hope she wasn't reprimanded for losing some. Sarah Zhao, also a fantastic character, too. I definitely really like the fact that, you know, he, he's a karaoke guy and his whole car troubles were pretty funny. I don't know. What about you, Jackson? Yeah, my favorite side character. I'm probably going to go same with you and uh, uh, so does college friend, Sarah Zawa. It was I don't know, there's something kind of funny about that. Like, we're talking about the car and whatnot, not fully working and being cheap. There's just something very relatable and very truthful. Like, it's just acting like you're frustrated, but then you get to know somebody better, and there's obviously more to them. And I found it so funny how the end, he was, he because he wanted, he had, was owed money, right? That was established. Mm-hmm. But by the end, he was like, no, I actually owed him money, but he forgot. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, that's just, that's just so... It's just very re- relatable. I think we just feel we see stuff like that all the time. Yeah, uh, for try, sure. Trying to put on this persona, and then when it comes time to get the... Like, look at me, I got my sports car, and then when time to get the sunroof on, cracks start to show and it doesn't work. That That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, once the cracks start to show, uh, you, you see the true person, and that's... And, you know what, that and that's okay, though. And that's okay, though. That was sort of part it. of the message, too, yeah. Let's get into final thoughts, man. I'll I'll go first. Uh, this this movie plays the hits. The hits be good. 
I think I prefer it over Weathering With You. Your Name is still my favorite of Makoto Shinkai's films. But again, I, I can see how people love Suzume. What more can I say? Makoto Shinkai, he's, he's a director whose works I'll continue to watch. Um, certainly, Jackson, if you like this movie, definitely check out Your Name and Weathering With You. Even his other mm-hmm. earlier works are really good. Dude knows how to make a good movie. Um, it was also highly successful, I should note. It made you know, $323 million worldwide. Huge hit in Korea. Uh, it, it took down Avatar in uh, Korea. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, so so the Korean audience definitely was looking for a good romance story. Uh, final thoughts for you, Jackson? Yeah, well, as someone who's relatively new to anime, um, I really liked it. Awesome film. Great adventure. Uh, hit the hits, packed the punches, and it ended off, uh, ended very strongly. Uh, good twists and turns and really beautiful art style as well. Like I said, I was really noticing that for some reason, I really just noticed the lighting and whatnot. Um, and uh, I just, I also just loved how it was grounded in reality and stuff like that. I loved how they were traveling all over Japan. It was, it was it felt like it, and they, they implemented the social media into it like with all the postings when the cat and chair were running around which is something that would happen so because i didn't i went into this completely blind so it was like it was it was relatable but also very extravagant adventure but also of course based on uh the horrific earthquake that you were discussing earlier so just yeah overall a really awesome cool adventure that's interesting especially your perspective as someone who has watched less anime than the average guest on this show especially as we have more and more recurring people on this show because you're just like shit. This is like you—you you went from uh, Avatar, which I, which I almost had to hold up. I'm like, you know, that's American anime. That's a, that's that's a it is, area. yeah. That's a gray area. It's <laughs> it a, it's is, a, it is. Anime inspired. It's it's funny. There's there's been a whole debate uh, the past week or two over what consists of anime. Um, what is anime? Because uh, the Scott Pilgrim anime, which I also recommended to you, and we're probably going to cover on this podcast very soon. Nice. Uh, it was. Uh, controversially not classified as anime by my anime list um they're like no it's not anime which i i guess because it's a canadian comic that's adapted by uh the canadian writer but it's animated by a uh, famed japanese animation studio so like and netflix calls it an anime so is that really mm. anime but then at the same time there's a a cg show called blue-eyed samurai that is written by an American and produced by a Canadian studio, but it's anime inspired, but they're willing to classify it as anime. It's all these fucking distinctions that make it very confusing. Right. Uh, well, like as, as, because anime is so influential, of course, um, other non anime originated ideas want to adopt that style. Like we've seen even with star Wars and whatnot, or like the John wick anime that's happening and whatnot. So I think that's probably how these kinds of the, 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 the blurry lines of where to define to, what to define is absolute anime and what isn't probably start to form yeah exactly and like if something's written by an american is that really anime because it's it's and it's anime inspired it's certainly uh there's a lot of anime studios that work with these companies it makes you ask the question is this anime exactly uh we're continuing to ask that question so it all ties into here jackson where can people find you you can find me on instagram youtube at jackson barwise just my name, underscore Jackson Barwise. I do lots of voiceover stuff. And I'm currently building, uh, expanding on the voiceover characters for my demo and building a little bit of a, a voice verse, if you will. Uh, yeah, I, I still got to record mine. I'll fucking do that. In fact, by the time this recording comes out, I can confirm uh, I will complete my work. That's what I'm setting myself up for. <laughs> oh, public accountability. <laughs> public accountability, exactly. 
that that's how you gotta do it man that's how you gotta do it true true the pressure's on yeah <laughs> um so yeah i guess you can find uh whatever i send jackson uh in the future or i guess the present you know is is this the present is this the past who the fuck knows it's, these are the tough questions this podcast asks uh meanwhile as always you can find me at jack is jack on uh, instagram only real jack m on twitter at is this anime pod on instagram we are not active on x ever since they uh disabled uh the twitter instagram connectivity because i don't want to post something twice who fucking cares it's just too too much effort instagram's the fun platform instagram is what got us uh this new podcast uh because again i just posted on instagram who the fuck wants to do suzumi i need a guest and jackson volunteered and three other people were like shit well i can't do it then i'm like well jackson got there first and it's his first time so priorities that, that's Instagram how coming through the, that's the, how the be, connections exactly um yeah i guess that about sums it up um take it easy folks and yeah we'll see you next time uh, if i had to give you a hint you should maybe probably watch the scott pilgrim anime i got a good feeling that's what we're going to cover next time in about two weeks uh, Good to know. But who, but who knows? Uh, I could always change my mind, or the guests could uh, just reject it. Hopefully, they won't. Anyways, take it easy. Peace.